Hello and welcome to episode five of Matt Delia is Confused. My guest this episode is a man named John Stoltenberg. He is a legend in many circles. Uh, he is a radical feminist um, fra- who's written many books uh, throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s up to now. Uh, the one we talk about the most is a collection of essays of his called Refusing to be a Man. Um, John has supremely interesting views on being a man, both, uh, uh, he's older, so he, he, he has a a pretty interesting perspective just on, on being a man through the feminist movement, uh, in the sixties and seventies, all the way up to now uh, and where we are. And I was particularly, uh, interested in talking to him about something he has written extensively about which is pornography, because when he was writing about it, uh, primarily it was mainly peep shows and VHS and actual theater tickets to go buy a ticket and see a fucking porn in a theater with a bunch of other weird men, which is actually fucking disturbing just to even think about it. But now, obviously, we all have access to porn in our pocket whenever we want, which is disturbing in its own way. So John and I have a lot to talk about. Um, We largely see eye to eye about a lot of stuff, which was pretty cool uh, to to see and learn. And um, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Um, All right. Here is episode five of Matt D'Elia is Confused with my guest, John Stoltenberg. Okay. Matt D'Elia is John Stoltenberg, thank you so much for joining me on Matt D'Elia is Confused. Really appreciate it. Um, I would like to, let's see, uh, I guess, I mean, there's so much to talk about and I, that I want to get into with you. Uh, I, I think maybe to start with, maybe talk about your, uh, I know there's a lot, but your background leading up maybe to now, just like the bullet points that you, you care to share with my audience. Yeah, um, I can do a short version. I mean, I grew up um, not feeling like a real enough boy. I mean, I knew I was I was being raised as a boy. I didn't have any. Um, I wasn't confused about that, mm-hmm. but I I also knew that um, I wasn't meeting some standard of real boyhood, and yeah. it continued into my twenties. Um, and um, I'm not sure that other people would notice this internal distress, mm-hmm. but. I walked around with it all the time. And then about uh, in my very late 20s, I uh, came upon a book by my the person I was to live with for the next 31 years, uh, Andrea Dworkin, and it was a book called Woman Hating. Mm. And there was a particular passage in it that said that we're a multi-sexed <clears throat> species, that the, the concept of man and woman are basically not real. Right. And... Um, Something really broke in me, something released in me at that point when I realized that this notion of a real man that I'd been trying to measure myself against and live up to and pass as, Mm -hmm. that it was a myth, it was a fiction, it was a construct, and it it didn't have to become any more the cookie cutter in which I needed to be, Mm. you know, pushing myself. And 
I felt that was just kind of an interesting liberation moment for me, and it continued as I learned more about um, what men were doing, basically in my name as a man. Right, right. And that was really unsettling um, the more I learned about it. And I, I grew up pretty naive about that. I mean, I I grew up as naive about male supremacy as I was about white supremacy. Sure. I mean, I, I, mean, I was just... Um, uh, I was naive, and um, and as I learned more about what was being done to women, and I figured out later it was being done by men in order to be real men, in right. order to experience themselves as real men, and that was also a, a huge kind of aha moment that um, the very thing I was trying to be a real man and failing at, mm. because I wasn't doing those I, I never was into any of that stuff. And right. I thought, well, that means there's just something wrong with me. Well, there wasn't something wrong with me in that regard. But it, but but then I started noticing how other men were acting out of that anxiety about not being real enough mm. by doing, you know, just dreadful stuff. Right. And um, and as I as I also then because I know the topic you want to get to yeah, yeah, yeah. as well as manhood is 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 men's relationship to pornography. Yeah. There was also a moment when I started realizing the ways in which um the pornography um has been marketed to sate that anxiety in men right. to give men experiences of themselves physically and bodily that um assuage their fears that they're not real enough. And that can take some extreme measures. Sure. It can get very extreme. But but it's basically kind of um, um, addressing that internal psychodrama, let's say, mm-hmm. of anxiety about not being real enough, and finding it, uh, finding ways to have it, the sexualization of that resolution. And it's a very brief resolution. It sure. lasts like a hot minute, <laughs> and then you, you know, then you need it again. It's right, like right, right. It's, it's, it's true. It, yeah. You know, the refractory period on this anxiety <laughs> is not very long at right, all. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's kind of like key points yeah. in my um, in the development of my thinking uh-huh. and and experiencing myself, you know, in a male body. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Male supremacist world. Um, I wrote a book called "Refusing to Be a Man." Um, right. And um, I remember I, this is a long time ago, but there was mm-hmm. a television show called Phil Donahue Show. Mm-hmm. I remember. And this is you know ancient history, and I was <laughs> on it. And, he was really perplexed by the title of this book. He just didn't understand it. And I said, well, well, think about what it would mean to refuse to be white. Right, 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 right yeah. You know? And I'm not sure that that was any more persuasive. Sure. But at that moment, I started looking at the relationships between male supremacy and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a sense in which they're joined at the hip. Clearly, the, the administration in place right now mm-hmm. is is displaying that for all the world to see. Sure, yeah. Um, but I, 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 that's also advanced my thinking in terms of thinking um, beyond the, the male-female hierarchy, mm-hmm. the man-woman hierarchy, that, because the ways in which that expresses itself in other hierarchies um, started to become very interesting mm. to me. So that's a really... Sh- sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Reader's Digest version of my life. I, yeah, thank you for that. I... I uh when looking at your, when looking back at your work, um, I'm struck by the things you were writing about then, and the the the, the ways they've changed 
to up up to now. I mean, we mentioned pornography. We can get into that in a little bit. But even you talk a lot about men around other men, and mm-hmm. I'm very fascinated by that because I think a lot of a lot of the conversation that I hear when it's talk when we talk about men and um, uh, toxic masculinity and things like this, I think people think of it as the the root of it almost is the way men are around women. But so much of it really has to do with men around other men, which is what you talk oh, about absolutely. a lot. Yeah. I, I should have included that, actually, because I think you can't address what men do to women without looking at what men do to other men. Yeah, and, yeah. And also without um, being honest about the ways in which, given the way boys are raised, I mean, they're, they're raised, they're, they grow up with a reasonable fear of, of other men's violence. Right. And they, they they grow up with a fear of what other men will think of their masculinity, mm-hmm. and and in many ways, um, when men are in when they're together, um, unless they're kind of conscious about how this works, there's a there's a there's always a kind of cockfighting or a kind mm-hmm. of um, uh, deference to judgments on masculinity or um, a kind of um, and sometimes it's really low key and yeah. really like almost like you can barely notice it unless you're one of the people in the group. But I think that that um, men's relationships to other men have been um, really damaged by this uh, drive, this anxiety mm-hmm. to be the real man, to mm-hmm. be a real man. I mean, it's like you're anytime you're with another man, you're with another judge and jury about mm-hmm. your own. Right, right. I, 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 and I, you also are functioning as judge and jury on there. Right, manhood. totally. Yeah, it's it's you pretty, yeah, it's nonstop. I, 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 my question, I think, my initial question about this is, I've, I, I'm, I'm curious about the line at which it, it's, because I think for a lot of men, it, it's, it's, a, it's about an awareness of what you are and what you might be. I think the natural inclination versus the, the unnatural sort of for foisted upon us competition element, right? So I think there's something that's there that makes us keenly aware of a lot of things around us. And then there's the thing that is sort of put on us that, and if we don't catch it and we get caught up in the game, we're going to keep playing it and it's going to keep bouncing back and forth until it gets to someplace that nobody wants it to be at, whether that's violence or severe competition or something like that, right? So I guess if you could talk a little bit about uh, where is that line of what is I guess, for lack of a better term, natural versus what is the things that are something we can do something about, right? Um, if by natural you mean a sense of self that's kind of like un, um, um, I think natural, I think it, 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 boys, boys, the, the common refrain of boys will be boys, boys playing, they want to be rough, that kind of stuff. How much of that would, in your eyes, is natural, right? And how much of that is immediately put upon us as we enter the world? And then we learn the rules of the game and then play it uh, the rest of our lives, right? I mean, I think there's probably some, uh, I mean, there's a wide variety in how kids, you know, what, what kind of boisterous energy they, right, they exhibit. Right, right. And, and I mean, there's just, and there's a lot of programmatic um, instruction that goes with it. Like boys are given entitlement to be rough. Sure, and, yeah. And girls are often not. So mm-hmm. that it becomes like a, it becomes gendered by by imposition. Sure. Whereas in fact, it's it's a kind of like you know just just 
you know, watch kittens romping, and there's a way of and and, mm-hmm. and roughhousing. I mean, there's something mammalian in our right in ourselves that is that is physically exuberant that has a certain kind of energy to it mm-hmm. that, that exhibits itself in in youth and and it can be channeled in some really wonderful ways mm-hmm. through athletics sure which can become their own gender yeah um yeah. <laughs> programming uh force yeah. um coaches who who try to get better performance out of male athletes by calling them girls sure know? right right yeah it, it it breeds in men in people raised to be a man, I should say, um, that sense that if I'm not a real enough man, I'm nobody. Mm. I'm less than nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's not like um, um, because that's kind of the the other end of the of the identity scale. If, if you've been if this has really been inculcated in you, right, that, that you have to be a real man and you have to do it through competition and combat and conflict. And you have to win and come out on top. Um, so to answer your question about is there a natural kind of, um, you know, are we born being right energetic and boisterous? Yeah, a right, lot of right. us are. But I think there are degrees. It's 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 the society's way of shaping that and telling you what it's supposed to mean and, right. and what it means if you're not that right see that's yeah i i i i see that a lot i mean i think that it's almost like the the class that is the class among men that is accepted there's that way of being and if you operate outside of that not only are you naturally naturally operating outside of that but you're further curbed in a way from that Mm -hmm. group and it it forms something within that group that is shaping the way that that group sees itself and that group is constantly trying to prove itself to itself. And I Mm -hmm. find, I see a lot of versions of this, you know, I mean, fraternity culture, things like this, where it's like, you see men with men and it's, it's like some disturbing funhouse mirror thing happening where they're bouncing this thing off of each other. And it, it makes me question, well, what is even, how much of that is this constant trying to prove oneself as oneself, as a man, to the other men? It seems like the root of all of it, yeah. And that's mostly what it is. I right. mean, and it's, it takes a certain kind of, um, you know, conscious self-work, self-consciousness and work to be able to realize when men are just behind the manhood mask. And, right. And, and, and whoever's home inside is not being revealed. Right, right, right. And and especially if you've got your own on, it's hard to see. Yes. Um, but it, it it takes a certain kind of um, practice to realize when that's happening. Sure. That, yeah. Um, there's probably somebody home inside who's as scared as you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's why this. I mean, I think people raised to be a man walk around with imposter syndrome all the time. Mm, yeah. I think so. And I yeah. think. Um, it's it's really important to notice when that's happening and to be able to say, hey, did, did are you really feeling that or did you just say that, right? To 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 um, scare me or right right like right that, yeah to intimidate me yeah that lack I of self awareness is something I see see a lot and uh, I think I think that you you know it's it's that thing of like uh, if if you if you 
know the game that you've been forced to play, why would you want to play it? Or at least question playing that game, right? It's like Mm -hmm. if we're constantly thrown into this melee that we didn't choose really, if you want to stop and think about it and then choose to be in it, that seems less problematic even to me than just doing it as, as, as if that's what you have to do, right? And I think a lot of, a lot of men uh, that I've seen growing up, especially when I was younger, it was just this – there was no other option for them, I think, even – from the outside, I don't think they even saw another option for them. So it was like they're just going to jump into the thing and try to try to do it as well, you know. And I think that that's where a lot of the problems start for mm-hmm. for, for young men. You know what I mean? I, I also think it's important to note that there's a wide variation in how much trauma mm. it took to impose on somebody that anxiety right. about not being a real enough man. Yeah, I think there are gradations, and I think. It's important if you if you're paying attention to what's happening with men around you, um, and if you know anything about their backstories. I mean, um, it, there's a memory of trauma that I think everybody carries. Sure. You know, with me, it was high school. It was it was uh, neighborhood bullies mm-hmm. uh, be- beating up on me and teasing me. It was not, thankfully, my father. Right. 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 But, but I think all, a lot about what if it had been my father. Mm-hmm. What if my father had been. The enact the uh, the um, um, what do you call it? The, the administrator, right, the executor yeah. of that mm-hmm. force. Uh, what if he had imposed it on me? Um, would I have ever made it to where I am? I I can't tell, right. but it would be very different. Right. And um, I think that um, I, I I think that it's one of the big ways men are different differed by degrees Mm -hmm. and that is how much um what form the trauma took and how intense was it right but everybody's walking around with the sense memory of it right right nobody nobody came out without it right yeah that degree of pressure that you felt or yeah as you say trauma yeah i think it does vary and 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 it's it's something that men never want to talk about and that's what they're sort of conditioned to never talk about it too exactly yeah 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 Exactly. And it's because where's the safe space for that? Right. Yeah. You know, a men's group. But if the men's group isn't, I mean, that's also a group of people to whom it happened. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not dismissing that. I don't, I'm not saying that conversation can't take place of there. Course, it shouldn't. Yeah. But, um, but one of the consequences of this is that women become the absorbers of this. Right. Yeah. In their relationships with men. Women are. Are, um, are where that where that panic goes, right? In, in a sense, it's like they're 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 charged with putting Humpty Dumpty back together yeah. again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, and again, that's a that's a that's a kind of emotional labor that um, I'm not saying it it shouldn't be done because it can be done in love, but right. But it needs to be called what it is and right. seen for what it is right look honey i just had a horrible run-in with a bullying man and i'm feeling like shit yeah and i'd like to talk about it with somebody but i don't know any non-bullying or men around right now yeah. so could you please could i please share this with you <laughs> yeah you know yeah, yeah yeah um how often does that happen but in fact that you know men come 
into the back to their relationships with their with their primary partners and when they and whoever they are but they come back come out of the world into homes and they come they carry with them all the tension of that contest yeah that they are always feeling that they're losing at and if they feel they're winning at they're probably doing a lot of damage to do it right yeah yeah and then also i think when when that happens i think the the danger zone really comes in when they're when men feel like they don't live up to that ideal of man out in the world and then they come home i think that comes out in very fucked up ways with their partner you know i think that in a situation where you feel like you haven't been able to prove this thing that you arbitrarily need to prove or need to prove for whatever reason you think you need to prove when you come home and there's no one looking and it's just you and your partner i think I mean, even in my experience, I, I, if I'm being honest, I, you know, those things rise. And if I don't catch them, it's like, ooh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, for me, it's about, I think that when men, I think a certain kind of man hears this kind of thing and they think, oh, well, I'm just going to do what I do and that's that. And it's really not about being wrong that you're like this. It's about being aware that you're like this and making sure it doesn't bleed out into the world. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I want to touch on something about the relationship between how men treat other men and how men treat women. Um, one of the things that I kind of theorized was uh, a game theory of gender where mm. um, if let's say man A and man B have a contest a cockfight and and one of them has to lose for the other to be the real man mm -hmm. there and they both perceive each other's danger and it's a, and and they they either fight it out and somebody loses and gets hurt or mm -hmm. they bond against a third party and mutually deride mm -hmm. and 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 despise a right. third party and that seals a bond between them that makes them feel safe with each other Right, and right. that particular triangle of of oppression, and by the way, the the the, the third party, the the patsy at the bottom, right. it's often female, but not necessarily. Mm -hmm. It can also be another male-bodied person of a of a lesser of a different color, right. or different different class. Right. And what a lot of men can't see is the ways in which that triangulation is is oppressing them. Yeah. Because they are the patsy, they are the third party to some right, yeah. bond between mm -hmm. powerful men up above them where they can't necessarily see, right. but they have been shot on mm -hmm. in order for two men to be safe with each other. Right. And two men is kind of a metaphor there because it, 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 can, be, um, it can be two countries right, deciding right, right. to, you know dump on a third party because right, yeah. they need the truth. But it happens often in, in, in daily life. It's what gang culture is about. Mm, it's, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's, um, I don't want to get off on a tangent, sure. but it, you can see it all over the, mm -hmm. the present administration. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are scared white, <laughs> pretty wealthy white men yeah. trying to defend their whiteness and their masculinity and their class and their wealth all in one fell swoop. And they are just throwing anybody under the bus. God, that is so true. Yeah. Scared and, and is the right way to put it. Yeah. And, and 
and I'm sorry, I don't want to go off on Trump too bad. No, go for it. Go for it, please. Yeah. But I mean, he's a master at at um, at feminizing his male opponents. Yeah, 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 yeah. And getting and extracting from him from them loyalty to mm-hmm. him. you know, it's like. And then he makes these, the art of the deal that he's really good at is male bonding. Right, yeah. He's probably not a very good businessman, but he's a hell of a male yeah, bonder. Because yeah. he knows exactly how to push the buttons of of other men to get them in league with him. That's so and, true. Yeah. You know, to oppress some third party. And in this case, the third party is Legion. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, you've got a, a, a nation... Um, um, with with a diminishing with an increasingly minority population that's white mm-hmm. you've got a um a male gender class with with women you know clamoring for equality yeah and and taking a bite out of their power and um and you've got this insanely wealthy ownership class mm-hmm. the 1% and they're all converging in before our eyes yeah as a as this psychodrama of of defense mm-hmm. against being less than nothing yeah God, this is so true actually yeah and i don't think i've thought like of it like so that. pathetic but it's so it's so tragic yeah and it's so lethal right yeah um but it's it's really what what i'm what's what's been my recent thinking has mm-hmm. been to look at these Things I've learned about the microcosm of male, 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 female relationships, and and seeing the way it's echoed, and it actually is the template for mm. these large dynamics of identity definition through disparagement and 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 oppression. Right, right, right. So yeah, it goes from it can be as small as one. One and two, and then three, or it can be blown up into a much, much larger mi- macro version of yes. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I um, mean, and, go ahead. And, you know, Trump is an, is a, is a schoolyard bully with, you know, um, probably the biggest bully in the world right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he's trying to be, and he's he's jockeying with other schoolyard bullies, right? For, yeah, um, for rank. Yeah. Yeah. When you see, when you look out, I mean, you know, because you've been on this for so long, I'm curious as to what, because of Trump, is there a, is there a shift that you see, not just in politics or with him or in his world, but just out in the world because of him in almost like this top trickle down way, the way it's affected mass, the men or the idea of masculinity out in the world do you think there's been a shift at all or do you think it's pretty much consistent well, I, I think he he plays to a very anxious base yeah. that is as as scared about losing their manhood as their as losing their white privilege yeah. and let's be clear it's about losing the privilege of it i yeah. mean it's not like your skin changes color it's that you lose the privilege that comes with being in the world in a white supremacist world as white um it's not like losing your genitals. It's it's losing the the, the privilege and the and the, the power that it holds. Yeah, the yeah power yeah. and the presumption of entitlement. Um, I think that um, I think in one sense he's he's making clear in this really exaggerated way how 
white supremacy and male supremacy and and um, capitalism mm-hmm. uh, function. It's like a chord they play. Yeah, just play one note of it, and the others right, come yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, and 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 looking, and so it's becoming clearer and clearer at the top how that looks and how that behaves. Um, and um, I mean the 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 um, the tax cuts, the the uh, curtailment of women's rights to their own bodies. Right, their, yeah. You know the the anti-trans stuff, yeah. the anti-immigrant stuff. Yeah. It's like they're going nuts. Yeah, trying to find patsies for their problem right, to solve yeah. their problem, which is you know the threatened sense of uh, white male class privilege. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, when I when I look at Trump and I, especially in this arena that we're talking about now, it's it's like the curtain on all of this stuff has been pulled completely back and there's just no hiding it anymore. And, and it's, it, it, when he was running, I thought this is the last gasp of this thing that he's doing. And I thought he was going to lose, but he won. And so now, I mean, it's not that I don't think it's a last gasp of that kind of thing. I, I, I'm not as certain as, as I was, but it's, it's just the, the constantness of it. And and the and the the it just never stops and it's such like a it seems like such an it's so exposed with him and I get a little surprised when people either don't see it or refuse to see it and I think that it's obviously inconvenient for some people to see it but the way he is about it seems so it's so overbearingly obvious what you're kind of talking about and what what he is it's hard for me to even understand how people can still support him because it's, it's constantly in your face and it's making you pick a side. Really. He's making everyone really pick a side on these issues. So, so strongly in ways that people before it was more of a dog whistle thing. It was more like, you know, gerrymandering and things like this to try to make sure that they stay in power. But, but with him, it's so glaringly, clear and obvious what he's doing you know what i mean and oh I, yeah his tropes about uh, a race about race hate and misogyny. yeah yeah it's way beyond dog whistling yeah it, it's like the choir has come to be preached that yes yes they know they're going to be preached so that. yeah it's and, true uh, i mean it's and and it's important to note that it's the misogyny and the racism are going to are, are side by side right yeah 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 um and from from block her up to send her back, and you know, um, it's um, it's crazy that there are so many white women who are who have bought into this. That's it's what trips me up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Andrew wrote a whole book about this uh-huh. called Right Wing Women, which I a lot of people are are reading and saying, "Wow, this is really prescient," mm. because she really went and analyzed mm-hmm. what the appeal of the right is to to women. I'm far be it for me to paraphrase that argument, but um, it's it's really something that needs looking at right yeah. now. Um, I, I want to go back to that point where you talked about when a, a man comes home to the woman he lives with yes. and he's, he's just been shat on in some way and he's he, he's got to process it without taking it out on her. Uh-huh. 
And just to reimagine that scenario, and it's a man of color uh-huh. who just got laid off or just got refused a job on account of his color. Uh-huh. He he is not seeing the 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 hierarchical structure above him. Right. That's that's about. I mean, he he may see the white supremacy. Sure. I don't think anyone who's black isn't walking around with fully cognizant of right, white yeah. supremacy these days. Nor is anyone female identifying walking around without cognition of, of what male supremacy is about. But um, there is that point when something was done to him by a power structure above him uh-huh. that is entirely about proving, resolving gender anxiety. Mm. It's entirely about that at, yeah. the, at root. It's entirely about what someone up up there was doing to to believe in their own right, right, right. identity as a real man. Mm-hmm. And it it's so deep and it's so endemic and it's so buried in people. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's what's churning all the time. Yeah. It's that trauma being reenacted. Right, yeah. In transactions that have to injure damage oppress, wound, insult. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think... It doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. I, and, and I think that all of this sort of is, a, is, an, is an interesting preamble to, to the, the pornography discussion that I, I wanted to have with you because you've written extensively about that. And that is something that has changed so much since the i mean i've read refusing to be a man i'm very familiar with your thoughts on it then i mean now it's it's so unbelievably prevalent and so readily accessed and honestly if if you if you even take one glance at a homepage of any of these sites that put whatever you call it put the things just bringing them illegally together the clips or whatever it's crazy the things like the, the the little titles that they have. They're so fucked up, for lack of a better term. It's like it's it's almost violent. It's almost all violence driven to get you to click on it. And I mean, it's. I guess if you could just talk about the the the, the trajectory of pornography and if your views have changed or evolved or or anything from then to now, what that might have been for for you, if 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 you could do that. Well. The fact that it's accessible in a in in a man cave right now, is yeah. in a way that it wasn't, you don't have to buy it at a yeah. convenience store, um, has really changed things in terms of the, the the content of it, the delivery systems. Um, it, it was very clear to me even before the digital era that that pornography was um, was going more and more niche. It was mm. finding if if. But there was a, a limit to it because you couldn't print three magazines for someone who was into, I don't know, doorknobs. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but today, there's a niche of, I'm really just making this up because sure. I really don't want to talk about the real stuff. Yeah, please. But yeah. let's say there's this, there's a body of people who are men who are into doorknob sex because it really gets them feeling like um, a man again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the the market has has the capacity now to do the that niche marketing and and 
in so doing, it's also this crossover because it's teaching across categories. It's mm. like, you know, someone who wasn't into doorknob sex happens upon it and, right. wow, I think I'm into doorknob sex. Yeah, it yeah. never would have occurred to me before. Right. And and I think that's a function of the digital digital um, infection of right, right, right. the culture with pornography. Um, I don't know quite where to go with this, Matt. But yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm just I'm just curious is 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 if the the prevalence and the accessibility has changed so much. I think I, I get curious about what that has done to men and their ideas about sex and having it out in the world. Because I talk to some women, and and I they'll tell me that they know they know just by having sex with a man how much porn he, he, he has seen, you know? And I think for younger women, it might be even more problematic because those younger men who they're having sex with have seen much more of this porn that, that they're sort of enacting in the bedroom or wherever they're having it, you know? And I'm, that seems like an enormous problem to me. And I, one that I don't even know how to begin wrapping my, my head really around. Yeah. And expecting women to replicate behaviors. Right. That yeah. Men have seen in porn. Right. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Um, that was going on even in the VHS mm. period and and, mm -hmm. and in the printed page period, but it's it's really intense now. Um, what, there's a very interesting consumer resistance movement mm. that I've been kind of tracking. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, it's a group called Fight the New Drug, and mm. it's, I'm not even sure who's behind it. But I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's really it's it's very uh, it's addressed to young people. Mm -hmm. And its its message is very much about how porn kills love, mm. and how and the deleterious effect porn has on intimate relationships. Sure, and they have a lot of first person testimony about it, and a lot of um, self help stuff. Um, but it's a really, it seems to me, a really well thought through consumer resistance mm. to the industry. I don't think it's going to damage the industry. Sure, yeah. I don't think it's going to make a dent in it, but it's carving out in our culture a model for what it would mean if if people started talking to each other and realizing this is really fucking up my life. Right. Yeah. This is really fucking up my relationship. I lost a relationship over this. Right. You know that kind of stuff. Um, you know the the AA movement doesn't particularly damage the alcohol industry. Right. 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 You all know that if you're having a problem with alcohol, there's some place to go. Right. And um, that that online group is kind of like, hey, here's a place you can come to um, talk about this. Right, right, right. And I think I hope that that voice continues to be amplified, but um, because I think it's a really important. Um, it connects very much to the identity questions that sure. I've been raising. Yeah. And, and what I call the difference between selfhood and manhood. And uh -huh. Manhood is like a vertical, horizontal, a, a vertical hierarchical identity structure. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's got to have someone underneath it to be it. And selfhood is not that. Selfhood is I'm as human as you are. You're as human as I am. Mm -hmm. And that is not what gets eroticized Mm -hmm. in commercial pornography. Sure, I'm not yeah. saying it can't possibly be right. in erotica. I think there have been some um, mainstream movies where it, 
there have been sex scenes that are that seem to be that. Right. I'm not saying it's not doable. Mm-hmm. It's just not what's getting sold, and it's not what's getting downloaded. Um, it's not what's getting hits. Right. I wonder. Yeah. W- w- that 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 is that is strange to me because. I think that for uh, that makes me think of two things, which is one because it's 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 performed the men who I mean because porn is for men obviously it's 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 being sought out in I don't in secret in private let's say and I think that unlike alcohol it, you don't perform out in public as someone who look you don't. Whoever might have a problem watching porn, looking at too much porn, whatever you want to call it, out in the world, nobody ever knows who that person is. If you know a fall down drunk, you see him falling down, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that the – what I find is the, to be very, very sort of um, insidious about this is that porn is almost – known to be somehow shameful so it's not something that people talk about in the world as something that they watch and i think that is its own problem really because no one's it's like this shameful thing that so many people are doing and no one is really talking about it out in the world that they're doing it so there's no way to 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 communicate this idea of like well that's not how sex is supposed to work really because there's no potential uh negotiation of of the actual idea of what it should be you know and i think that there's this weird thing that men feel it it, it compounds it where they're they feel this vague sense of shame for doing it and it's and it's almost like as you as you use the word term addiction it is like that drug addiction where they don't even want to talk about it they don't even want to mention it you know what i mean I think that's generationally true of a generation. In other mm. words, I think there's a generational shift here. Mm. Um, my generation certainly had that sense of dirty bookstores. Right, right, right. That's something shameful. I see cultural evidence that younger people, like in their teens and 20s, uh-huh. have who have basically grown up swimming in it. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, soaking in it. Um that there's a there's a different kind of like um, I, I don't want to call it acceptance, but it's like um, normalization, a maybe. Yeah, yeah. A, a normalization. Yeah. A so hotness. It's like um, I happen to see go to a lot of theater because I write about it, and I've noticed a lot of work about young people by young people, and it's, there's a real kind of uh, it's funny mm. to bring it up. Probably right, because right, right. There's some memory that there's something naughty here. Right, right. But, but it's it's not. Nobody's aghast. Sure, right, right, right. Yeah. Know, nobody's yeah. horrified. Nobody's outraged. Right. Um, and I think the the that shift in the generations is is probably the the biggest one of the big results of the digitization. Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there are um. If there's the equivalent of a keg party mm. with with porn, I right, don't right, know. it wouldn't terribly surprise me if sure. there were. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, and I and I also think that the um, gosh, 
women are in a terrible position with this because, yeah, yeah. as you say, um, th- they're pornographized all the time. They're expected to conform mm-hmm. to the look of it, the behavior of it, and 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 in some private instances, they're expected to absorb it. I mean, yeah. You know, choking is, is a I, big thing. In, yeah, in, I was just going to bring that up. I read an article in The Atlantic about the, the yeah. increase of choking in the sex world, and it's like a quarter of women say, or more say that they've been choked in and, bed without even knowing it's coming or asking for or anything like that. Because there's obviously I the believe, consensual version. Who, yeah. You can do whatever you want in the bedroom, obviously, as long as you agree to it, right? Yeah. But and someone mm, was killed, and right, yeah, it was a sex play gone wrong, right? I'm I'm convinced without evidence that that is a behavior that was learned from watching porn. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, it, you don't kind of come upon it on your own. Sure, yeah. Um, f- fisting was another back mm-hmm. in the day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the gay world. It, it it's not something that just kind of like pops into your mind. Right, right, right. But if you've seen it in porn, you say, oh, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of behaviors like that that just are, are spreading virally in life mm-hmm. in accord with how they're spreading virally online. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's kind of... Is, is the trajectory of that, is that, is that, I mean, I know we don't know, but I'm, I'm just... To have it arise in porn and then bleed out into the world, it's it's like not a naturally occurring thing. And then it's done for, let's say, shock or now, I guess, clicks perhaps. And then it goes out into the world. It's 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 that is strange to me because when I think of uh, when I think of the sex that I want to be having, I I don't. I I personally don't look out at the world and think, oh, they're doing that. I might want to do that. Oh, they're doing that. I might want to do that. But with porn, I think I think there's something about the audiovisual quality of it. You're watching these people do it, and they seem like they're liking it, but they're fucking mm-hmm. acting. It's their job mm-hmm. to seem like they like it. And so I think there's like this brain tripwire that that it's it's like a booby trap or something you know what i mean like they you're watching it and even if you know they're they're acting it's still happening in front of your eyes and your brain is processing it in a certain way so if you see people doing fucked up shit or things that if you had written down on a piece of paper that you look at that and you say oh that's fucked up but then you watch it on video you might have a different reaction to it and the accessibility of porn now that seems like such a slippery slope, especially for, I think about me maybe as 15, 14, if I was able to see this shit, I, I have no idea what I, what would have come of me because there's no way to connect to that 14 or 15 year old. But now anybody with a smartphone, it's like instantly you can look at that shit. Any kind of read, thing. Yeah. I read somewhere that the average age of first exposure to porn is eight. Eight? Oh, I mean, I don't even know what I would have thought at eight. First exposure. I mean, yeah. because it's it's ubiquitous. It's it is, like, yeah. Not? Um, yeah. And I think that there's so much that needs to be understood about how that, how porn consumption, a lot is understood about how it triggers the same brain stuff that addiction does. That's, right. Addictive substance. There's a lot about that, about and the satiation effect. How it keeps making you want to get more rougher or whatever. Right. Um, 
one of the things that interests me, and I don't know if anyone's working on it, is th- how does it connect to that primal trauma? Mm. Mm. How, how is it related to that trauma that you experienced that your, your body remembers that made you compulsive about proving your manhood? Yeah. And how do the narratives and storylines of porn give you a respite from that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some kind of like a relief from that. It's very, very brief. Right. But it's like, how does it from for the the time it takes to jerk off? Right. How does it make you feel okay again after? that unresolved unokayness right that was tra- traumatized into you yeah i mean it it not okayness i mean some of it is so clear i mean again we don't obviously there's no reason to get specific about it but some of it looking at it just from a sociological perspective you're thinking this stuff is so on the nose about what it might be making men who have been traumatized or how whatever term we want to use feel better about themselves. And that, that specifically becomes what's part of what's getting them off. You know what I mean? It becomes not even about the sex. It becomes explicitly about either the domination or the ridicule Mm -hmm. or, or, or something like that. And yeah, those things get conflated in, in a, in a way that men who are watching this stuff believe is designed to sexually satisfy them. You know, and then, and now we're going again. Sorry about that, John. No problem. Okay. As I recall, I was talking about yes, um, the kind of really violent porn where it's really impossible to look at it and say she's enjoying it. Right. She's clearly in agony. And you know, I'd be very interested to whom that appeals, and whether the men to whom it appeals, how much violence was in their lives as kids mm. how much were they abused yeah because that because abuse gets passed on it just it just gets handed down it's rare that it comes out of sui generis you know it, mm-hmm. rarely, it just doesn't pop into someone's mind um oh i've got to put somebody down i mean right it, it's um and i think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that area in terms of understanding the, what's driving the consumption. Yeah, I mean... Uh, not just, not just how, how it makes how it becomes addictive chemically. Right, yeah. I mean, that, that familiar... I mean, anything that's familiar is something that you perpetuate, whether you even understand it to be healthy or, or not, you know? And I think that with something like that, where so much shame is involved, and and you're even less likely to talk about that kind of thing, especially with other men, than you would be to talk about almost anything. You know how you may have been made to feel like less than a man, or how you have were made to feel like you weren't a man, or how you were made to feel even just shitty about your manhood, or you're outside of this some thing that everyone's in. I think those kinds of experiences are the exact kinds of experiences that men don't want to talk about the very, very most. And I think that that is the problem with that is that that's exactly what they would need to be talking about to resolve these kinds of things. You know what I mean? And to be able to see a change in this kind of kind of uh, arena, you know, it goes back to me to that thing 
that I was saying earlier just about if you if you can recognize the the thing that you've been forced to do you can at least question whether you really want to be doing it or not you know and i mm-hmm. think the problem the, the the thing where people get tripped up there i think at least with men in this regard is that they don't they don't stop and realize the thing that they've been forced to engage with you know and i think that that getting back to that and 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 and, and you know an ability to look at that and to think okay, I don't need to engage in this shit. This is not me. This is, and then it becomes, well, what is really me? And then you Mm -hmm. can start to have the conversation, you know, but I think there's so much before that question of what am I really about that is tied up in this shameful trauma, as you put it, that I think Mm -hmm. really gets in the way. Yeah. And I don't want to make a false parallel between the trauma of being raised to be a man and the trauma of growing up female. Of course. Yeah. But what's really, I think, relevant is that the voices of women who have talked about the abuse they've experienced, um, if if men were paying attention, it would have been an opening Mm. to Mm. talk about their own traumas. Not like, we're not going to play hierarchy of misery here, but, Mm. um, and instead it's like, oh, it's it's unmanly to talk about that. It's, right. The women are doing that, but I better right. not. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And getting across that hurdle is really very important. Mm-hmm. Like, um, because it means identifying with the one to whom it happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Not just identifying with the one to who does it. And right. If you're in the struggle to be the one who does it all the time, and you cannot. If you, your, your channels for empathy with to whom it happened are, are, sh- are shot, are burned out, mm-hmm. you know, that needs to be restored. Yeah. That part of your wiring needs to be re- re- restored. And it includes listening to what happened to women and understanding that I don't want to be the man who did that. Right, right, right. And something in my own life is triggered when mm-hmm. I think about that kind of vulnerability. Right, 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 yeah. To 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 violence, and particularly male-dominant violence. Yeah, and I, I think there's also this weird thing that men do to other men who are wanting to have this kind of a conversation. They... I don't know if this is even the right word, but they feminize it. It's like they turn it into the, the, this sissy thing or something like you not acting like a man, you know? And so it almost locks itself in as its own. It's, it becomes like this, this jail that you can't get out of almost, you know, a kind of a funny story on that point. Um, after a piece was published, it was an interview with, um, Vice, you may have seen it. Mm. Um, they titled it "All Masculinity Is Toxic." I, yeah, it's an okay <laughs> title, but I love the deck on it, mm. uh, the blurb. But after it was published, I got all this cyber insult. Right. Uh, it was really there's a wave of it that was just really intense. And the reason I'm smiling is because they were calling me names, mm. and 
I had to go to the dictionary to look them up. <laughs> That's always <laughs> good. Yeah. They were like, they were new names for 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 insulting sure. uh, somebody, and they were all about feminizing and you know. And I thought, you guys, you don't understand. <laughs> You're proving my point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I know. Yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of grim humor, but. Um, <laughs> You know, there may be some after this podcast. Yeah, you know? sure, yeah. Let me yeah. just tell you all, if you're thinking of slurring Matt here or me with a feminizing insult, <laughs> you know, it's like, check yourself because you really don't want to substantiate what we're saying right, yeah. so thoroughly. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, there's this there's this community now that I've been hearing a lot about, this, this incel community, yeah. and the rise of it. It seems con- concurrent with a few things that that I can't help but notice. One is sort of this all, all right sort of men's rights mm-hmm. thing, and then there, it's also this sort of uh, it seems like a, a reactionary response to the things just sort of becoming more equity based. I suppose you know. I mean, white men, particularly. I mean, that's. I'm pretty sure almost 100 percent of what an incel group is. It's got to be mostly white men or all white men. And you know, it, it sort of speaks to what they do think should be theirs. And now they're there's they're increasingly ex- running into a world that is becoming more aware of the stuff that we're talking about and sort of asking these questions. And I think that their response to being left out in their eyes, left out of the conversation, pushes them even further off the rails into this place of woman hating. I mean, they hate men too. I mean, they hate other men who aren't like them. They hate men who are having sex. They hate every single woman under the sun. And anyone that is willing to have a kind of conversation that we are is also their enemy. So it's like, it's a strange thing where progress is also progress is also met with a complete polar opposite response. And, and that kind of thing crops up. And now because of the internet, you can just, you run into it a lot, I think, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. As I understand it, it was an outgrowth, a radical offshoot of the men's rights movement that was very much, um, obsessing about the fact that higher status men, got better looking women right right and if you were lower status you were you were you you were you you didn't qualify right and um it was a lot about status ranking among men Mm -hmm. which is again like really uh a not seeing of the way in which right uh, male supremacy operates and Mm -hmm. in which it it's it like it's it's oppression of everybody is terrorist yeah and um so there's a lot about um, uh, anger at, um, and they take their anger out on the women. Right, yeah. Not on the men above them. Right, of course, they yeah. Take, they, they take their anger out on the women who are rejecting them. Yeah. And, you know, that's such displaced mm-hmm. uh, radical rage. I yeah. mean, it could have, you know, it, it, there's a way in which, um, you know, um, I'm not sure how I can picture it, but... Um, a resistance to to the way in which male supremacy operates in male dominated hierarchies. Mm-hmm. You know, women are doing pretty much the grunt work on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but in every workplace where women are being sexually harassed, it is not a friendly place for men either. 
right. who are not doing it. Yeah, right, 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 yeah. You know? I mean, th- they become lower status because they are not joining the bosses. Right. Treating women badly. Uh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, it's coming what we were talking about earlier. It, it, you mentioned that the, the, they're not taking out on the men that they perceive to be above them. I've, I've read that they're actually getting plastic surgery to resemble them. So it's this str- – yeah, they call, they call the men who get the women, according to them, chads. And these chads are their enemy, but they want to – look like them so that they can get these women that they perceive these other men to be getting. And the echo chamber that they've provided themselves with is, is fucking unbelievable because it's almost like they're actually living in their own world. That is, they're just bouncing their own terrifying ideas off of one another, confirming it with one another because they feel this way. And it's just this, it perpetuates itself to the point that it explodes into this disgusting, weird subculture that, that is, is, I don't know how prevalent it really is, but I've been hearing so much about it and reading so much about it. It seems like a, a nasty side effect of everything we've kind of been talking about today. You know, this is not to exonerate it, but, I'm struck by the way in which, at its heart, it's a kind of reaching out to male friendship mm, that yeah. has been just kind of, kind of throttled. It's like impermissible, yeah. except on these terms. It's like I would really like some. I, I would really like a friend. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and a, a buddy. Uh, you know. Um, and you know, men are so bad at forming friendships. God, that's with, so true. Yeah. Men. Any potential, really any potential incels that are listening, yeah. If you need a buddy, just find a buddy. You don't need to find an incel group, yeah. 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 But that's what's happening. The, the online experience is becoming a form of male bonding mm. in the worst way. Yeah. Like it's it's bonding over and against somebody who's yeah. being degraded yeah. as, as the uh, necessary third party to the bond. But but it's also like a cry for friendship. You know? Yeah, it is. Yeah. But it's so buried. It's so it's so buried in trauma. Yeah. But it's important to kind of realize that those impulses to to have equitable horizontal friendships, regardless regardless of a person's sex, class, age, you know, color. Yeah. Um, that those impulses can be honored. Right. Yeah. And it's okay to honor them. Yeah. And and just keep them clear of this, all this fucked up stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, it, it, so much of it seems genuinely fear-based and born of, the, of, of some kind of underlying sadness. That, and loneliness. And loneliness, loneliness. yeah. And if, it, if, 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 if that was just s- spoken of or said out loud instead of, fuck all women they deserve to stay in the kitchen you know what i mean it's like yeah. this weird this it's like it's easier to say the mean thing that 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 has been said by other men than it is to actually just say what is actually happening inside of them and i mean i guess that's just this strange projection nobody wants every everybody does wear that mask and they've been taught to wear that mask and that just ends up perpetuating itself yeah yeah 
Uh, all right. Well, John, I really appreciate it. Uh, looks like we're pushing up on an hour here. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we hop off or anything like that? Um, well, I think it's important to vote out Trump. Yeah. But I think it's a delusion to think that once he's gone, this will be gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I could not agree more. I, this is just I exposed think it'll now. All be, yeah. It'll all be with us. And I think that's a kind of a terrifying moment in American yeah. history. But it's also um, a moment of, of call to responsibility yeah. for those of us who were raised to, you know, he was, by all accounts, he had a, just a horrible father. Mm-hmm. And he also had a horrible mentor in uh, Al Cohn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to kind of look at him and, and one must assess him and appraise him and judge him for what he's doing. But to recognize in the outlines of his behavior is something that is 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 very now with the country. And right. It go away um, when he's out. Yeah. And it, he has really brought it to the fore. It's in, it's in high relief right now. The racism, the misogyny, the incredible um, contempt of the upper class mm-hmm. for the lower classes. I mean, it, it's, it's madness. But I think that these, as important as these internal personal analyses are mm-hmm. in terms of our working through our relationships and our friendships and our love relationships and so forth is to never lose sight of the fact that they they're writ large mm. in in the national landscape mm-hmm. in the and 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 there is a connection between what's problematic about manhood in everyday life yeah. and what's problematic about white supremacy in everyday life and what's going on in the in the highest chambers of power right now yeah i mean when i look at when I think about that and I really think about, let's say he's voted out in 2020, uh, which I fucking hope obviously. And I, I know you do too, but I mean, even if he is, we still saw all this shit and it still happened and it's obviously still out there. And just because he's gone doesn't mean it's gone. And I think that's actually, I don't even think people can think about that shit yet because the people that want him out, like we do, we just want him the fuck out. And I think that that is the, that is the reckoning to, to be faced once he is gone, you know, this, Oh, well, all this shit's still here. We can't pretend we didn't see it. Uh, and how do you really put things back together from there? Yeah. 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 I'm with you on that. Um, all right, cool, John. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, big fan of oh, yours. I enjoyed this. Thank you. Uh, hopefully, we can talk again soon. And uh, uh, yeah, thanks again. Good. I'll look forward to this on, on uh, when it's posted. Yeah, yeah. We'll let you know for sure. Good to meet you. Yeah, okay. you too, John.